name is Christina, and I'm a partner here. Um, tonight, I will be reading from Romans 12:13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. So this evening, we are going to be here in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. We're continuing in our series uh, that we've called Anthem of Grace. Um, and for the last few weeks, what we've been doing is unpacking uh, this section of Romans 12 that in my Bible, I got the, the ESV, um, there's a chapter heading that says the marks of the true Christian. Um, and Paul lists off in this section... Um, after he says in verse 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, uh, he lists off nine uh, characteristics or nine marks of what it means to be a believer in Jesus and how that begins to impact our lives. A few weeks ago, uh, John Floyd unpacked for us the first two. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. And then last week, Brad uh, walked us through the next six, where Paul says not to be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. And so tonight we're here in verse 13, and we're coming to the end of these, these marks of true, uh, genuine faith, what it means to have genuine love, to really uh, do what we're commanded to in verse 9. And Paul says uh, one thing that marks us as Christians in two parts. He tells us to contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now the way that sentence is constructed for us, I know it feels like it's two different charges or marks of genuine Christian love, but what we have here is in this one verse, uh, though in two parts, it's, it's one thought. And that is, as the people of God, we are meant to uh, pursue a kind of generous hospitality. As a way, uh, another way to put it is, is we are to uh, put our money where our mouth is. We're to put our actions where our profession of faith is in the way that we interact with one another and the way that we interact with our neighbors. Uh, Tim Keller, actually, in his commentary, is the one who said, hey, this is, this is Paul saying, hey, put your money where your mouth is. And I, I think there's a lot of people today that are probably doing just that. I mean, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And right now, there are people who, in the last 30 or 45 minutes, showed up at a buddy's house. One's wearing Chiefs gear, the other's sporting that throwback Donovan McNabb Eagles jersey. And the trash talk has been flowing. Somewhere tonight as these buddies toss friendly and not-so-friendly jabs back and forth, one of them has probably or will probably say, Dude, you talk a big game. If you're so confident that your boys can pull it off tonight, why don't you just put your money where your mouth is? Let's make a bet. Now, the foolishness of this bet is that it, it, it lies in the fact that neither of these friends, convinced as they are that their team can pull off the win tonight, has any power whatsoever to influence the outcome of the game. It really doesn't matter how hard they cheer or where they sit or what they wear. Hate to break it to whoever's wearing their lucky chief socks tonight. Yet Paul's call to us as believers, marked by these significant life and character changes because of the gospel, it's summed up in this one verse. And it's a way of him saying, hey, I want you, if you're, if you're saying that you are a believer in Jesus, and if you want to actually let love be genuine, hate what is evil, and hold fast to what is good, 
Here's how you do it. If you truly want to live in a way that shows uh, that, then a solid test of that is to see how you live when you're at your most vulnerable. See, generosity and hospitality are two sides of the same coin that in our lives begin to press on the things in life that give us some of the greatest sense of security and safety. Our finances and our homes. Our money and our personal, private lives. See, these are intimate spaces We're fully letting go or fully letting anyone else in. It can be uncomfortable and difficult in a multitude of ways. Yet this is what Paul in this verse is saying. And it's fairly straightforward. We are to contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That there is this generosity that should mark the people of God in particular, in the way that they are and they act toward members of the body of Christ, particularly with the resources they've been given. And there is also this posture of our hearts toward others, particularly toward those who are outside of our circle and outside of the the normal spaces where we interact that pursues the opening of our lives to them with joy. There are two distinct actions in this verse, but it's one thought. This verse is the practical outworking of what Jesus says in John to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. It is the story of the Good Samaritan. This is what it looks like to love your neighbor. And so really there's just one big question for us to ask tonight and then answer, and that's this. How do we contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality? I have two thoughts, because there's two parts. And the first one is this. Um, We start by recognizing who it is that actually owns our stuff. Now, my family's been at Mercy View for the last five years, and I think I can count on one hand uh, the number of times that we have in those five years talked about giving. Like outside of the one series we did in 2018, like on money, that only had like one message on actually giving. Um, as a church, I can't, I can't think of a lot of times where we have done that, which is the total opposite of some of the experiences in churches that I've had in the past. And maybe some of you have had in the past as well. Because I think when we start talking about a verse like this, where uh, it's clearly talking about something that's going to try to reach into that security of my wallet, we start to kind of clutch it a little bit tighter and we get a little nervous. Um, and I mentioned the fact that our conversations about money at Mercy View are few and far between, in part because talking about giving and stewarding our recent resources is something we've done rather recently. Back in November when we were going through our series deeper, we were talking about the marks of discipleship, we had an entire message on stewarding our resources and stewarding the gifts that God has given to us. It's only been a couple months since then, and we're back in in this again. And I think that talking about this in, in our context can sometimes carry with it some baggage. And so as we wade into this conversation, um, I, I think that it's helpful to know that the way that we preach here at Mercy View is, by and large, we're walking through books of the Bible. And so though every now and then we got this topical thing that we need to discuss, and we got some things that we need to look at, like in that deeper series, um, this message in this space has been on the calendar for a couple years. 
because this is part of Romans chapter 12, and we're walking through the book of Romans. And I think that's helpful for us to know because it, it shows that this is an important thing, not just because we thought it was important to talk about in a topical series, but because it comes up again and again in Scripture as we walk through it, that God cares about the way that we view and we use our resources. We use our money. And so we're going to talk about giving again tonight because Paul talks about it, because God cares about it, and because the way that we respond to the call to generosity from Scripture It speaks to one of those places of safety and security in our lives. And so, though you have a chance to give this evening, that chance is there every week. We're not taking up a special offering or anything as bad as I wish that I could say, hey, we found a building, let's like start giving some money toward making that happen. That hasn't happened yet. And so we're going to talk about giving here because Paul does in Romans 12, 13. And it's wrapped up in everything that he said in verse 9. How do we let love be genuine? How do we abhor what is evil and cling to what is good? And part of his answer is that we give, we contribute to the needs of the saints. If we were to render down the importance of generosity to its most basic parts, what we would find is that the generosity that Paul is talking about is by and large a product of living by faith. I was listening to a podcast a couple months ago from Paul Tripp, and, and he was speaking about what it means to live by faith. And he said something that was really profound, and it was literally just like a little side piece as he was explaining something else. And, and it drew my attention because he made the point that a proper understanding of the doctrine of creation has a massive impact on the way we live our lives. And in particular, one of the things that he drew out was how we approach what we do with our money. And it's like, okay, how, how are we going to make a leap from like doctrine of creation to like this living out the Christian life in Romans chapter 12? Well, the reason that the doctrine of creation has such a sweeping impact on the way that we understand our money and what Paul says here to contribute to the needs of the saints is when we see and know who the creator is and we see and we understand the scope of the creator's work, we realize that everything in this world and everything in our life is actually his stuff. It's all his stuff, even down to your very life. Your very life belongs to him. And so anything that he has blessed you with and given you to steward, it actually belongs to him as well. It's not ours. And so one of the ways that God lays claim on what we have is by calling us to be generous, to contribute to the needs of The saints is what he says here in this verse. And so what are the needs of the saints? Like clearly there's some material needs that exist. Like James wouldn't tell us that uh, true religion is caring for widows and orphans in their distress if it wasn't a real problem and something that needed to be taken care of. And that requires resources. We read in 2 Corinthians 9 where Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's saying, hey, um, I I just want to let you know about this offering we're taking up for the church in Jerusalem Those folks from Macedonia, you know, that place, kind of backwater place. Listen, they gave so much above their means. You Corinthians, I know that you guys are going to do a great job. And and they give to what's happening in Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem, facing so much persecution, is in need. And so Paul is sending back an offering to them. 
We also know that there is spiritual need that exists among the saints. It's not just material. And one of the ways that God has chosen to meet those needs for the past 2,000 years is through the local church. There are surely a variety of ways that we could look at contributing financially to the needs of the saints outside of giving to the local church. But as we think about the fact that God's primary means of establishing his mission in the world and meeting the needs of his people is through the local church, we would be amiss to not focus here on this. When we are faithful to give cheerfully and according to our means, the first and the best of what God has entrusted to us, God is able to take what we could do individually and multiply it because we aren't doing it on our own. See, through your generosity here at Mercy View or to any church that you find yourself in, and one of the reasons that we did that series on discipleship back in the fall was because we want to make discipleship a priority here at Mercy View, not just for the sake of our church, but because we know that most likely this is not the last place you're ever going to worship. And we want you to be able to go to whatever church God is going to place you in as your life progresses down the road and be discipled and ready to walk in the maturity that God has worked in you in this place. And one of those ways is through the way that we approach our finances. And so through your generosity to the local church, God is able to meet the needs of the people that God brings this way. Like he is constantly bringing people to us. We constantly have needs that we can and are able to meet. We're able to give benevolence to folks who are in need. We're able to support other ministries that are serving people on the front lines in our city, that are serving the people on the margins in ways that most of us aren't equipped or able to. We're able to support missionaries around the world who are doing this work. And we're able to employ ministerial staff here at Mercy View to aid in the goal of maturing disciples. And so when you give to the needs of the saint, you contribute by giving here at Mercy View. That's part of what you're doing. And so what does contributing in this way look like for you? It's going to look different for each of us. There's a lot of debate on whether or not the New Testament calls for uh, Christians to give a, a tithe, like to give 10% of our income to the local church, or if it's some other percentage. I think what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9 is that we're to give, one, as we have decided, in our hearts, not reluctantly, or under compulsion. Right before that, he quotes Proverbs 11, that whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly, whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And it's easy to kind of look at that and cringe a little bit because I think most of us, especially with the history in this city, right, have heard that verse probably used in such a way that's kind of twisting your arm a bit. Listen, you know, if you give sparingly, like God's blessings, they're going to be kind of sparing. You give bountifully though, right? He'll just pour it on. Like God's not a cosmic vending machine. You don't put it in and stuff comes out. Like God though loves to bless his people and he loves to take what we have that he's given us and multiply it. And so the bounty that we receive might not look like those things that sometimes come to mind when we think, oh, so bountifully. But this, this idea of sowing and reaping, it's pointing us back to the big idea that we looked at here at the beginning. 
that for us to contribute to the needs of the saints, we have to first recognize who it is that actually owns our stuff. See, all that we have is God's. And he's asked us to give with intentionality, without reluctancy, and with a cheerful heart. And so does that look like 10%? Maybe. But maybe not right away, especially if you're not in the habit or the pattern of giving and being uh, generous with that, that part of your budget. The reality is you might need to take a look at your budget. And, and, and this is something I'll say, and then we'll move on to the next point. But it's something to chew on, I think, for each of us this evening. If you were to break down your monthly budget into percentages, I, let me just ask, like, what percentage of your disposable income I'm talking things related to shelter, or not things related to shelter, groceries, transportation, like those things that are kind of essential for life in this world. What percentage of your disposable income, the the extra money that's not dedicated to those things, is being spent on you, and what percent of it is being given to the Lord? And when you have that answer, I want you to ask yourself, and it might take a little bit to kind of really think through that, Am I treating what I have as if it belongs to me or as if it belongs to God? That question is convicting for me just as much as it is for anybody else tonight. And so, when we consider what it means to contribute to the needs of the saints, it looks like this kind of generosity rooted in creation, in the idea that we don't actually own our stuff God does. Second thing we need to see tonight, and that's this. Seeking to show hospitality means that we live our lives pursuing a radical openness toward others. What do you think of when you think about hospitality? Like, I, I imagine that a lot of us think about it the way that one blogger I read this week said, uh, that uh, it was this thing that was reserved for those who were especially gifted at cooking and flower arranging with a large house and a crystal chandelier to go with it. And it would be right for uh, us to think when we're thinking about hospitality about maybe our gospel community leaders uh, and, and our hosts that uh, have us every week over at their homes or maybe our, our hosts here at Memorial like the folks who open their church to us so that we can meet and worship God together on Sunday evening. And it can certainly be the friend who is a great entertainer and always has the right wine paired with the right charcuterie board, smooth jazz playing in the background when you walk into the living room. And as one guy in a crowded shop, coffee shop said last night, as I was working on my message, um, hospitality can just be being friendly enough to let somebody sit at your table because the place is crowded. And so, what is hospitality? I mean, it's among the gifts of the Spirit we see listed in Scripture. It's also a qualifying mark of an elder in the local church. You see that in 1 Timothy 2. And we see here that it's wrapped up in what Paul says genuine Christian love looks like. And if that's the case, then I think it's safe to say that hospitality may sometimes look like being able to perfectly pair wine and cheese but it is most certainly far more than that. See, most of what we consider hospitality is a kind of passive response to what is happening around us. 
Like the guy at the coffee shop last night, he wasn't looking for an opportunity to show hospitality. He just happened to be hospitable when someone asked if they could sit at his table. Your GC host is a perfect example of what Christian hospitality looks like. But there is, even in that, a certain level of givenness to a weekly rhythm. And as much commitment and effort as it does take, and believe me, I know we, when we don't have a newborn at the house, we're hosting each week, and it's a lot of effort, and it's a lot of work to do. But there's this givenness to it. There's this, this pattern and rhythm to it. What Paul's talking about here goes a little bit deeper. When we look a little deeper into Paul's word choice in this phrase, we see that what he has in mind is not something that's passive or just given in a specific circumstance. He says that we're to seek to show hospitality. That word that we got translated here in the ESV is seek, is translated in the NIV as practicing, in the King James Version is given to, in, in the CSB as pursuing. There's this activity related to hospitality that is looking outward and moving toward people and bringing them in. It is not sitting back and waiting and simply being ready to receive, but there is an activity to it. There is a pursuit to it. What gets even more interesting is that when we are uh, to pursue with this intense uh, intentionality, the thing that we're pursuing is, is this phrase, not just word for hospitality. And the phrase means to show hospitality to specifically a stranger. That is, someone who is not regarded as a member of the extended family or a close friend. And so this juxtaposition that we have here in verse 13 is this call to care for the needs of the saints, to love the family of God, and to show the same kind of genuine love and care that we show for our brothers and sisters in Christ to those who are outside the family of faith. See, hospitality in the sense that Paul is talking about it, it's, it's in Romans twelve thirteen is not so much about hosting and having the perfect meal and having the perfect ability to, to bring people in or hosting your GC. It is the way in which that God has called us to live on mission in the world. It is outward focused. That's the point that Matt Chandler makes in an article for the Gospel Coalition uh, that he wrote back in 2019. I'm going to quote it at length here. He says, now, why would the Bible be so serious about hospitality? If I could boil it down to its most simple truth, it's because God has been hospitable to us even when we were living as his enemies. God came and saved us. He opened the door and invited us into his presence. We demonstrate that we truly appreciate the divine hospitality that we have received as we extend our own hospitality to those around us. I'm not suggesting that biblical hospitality is the silver bullet for making evangelism work in the 21st century. But might it not be, in our cynical, polarizing, critical, dumpster fire culture, that a warm dose of welcoming hospitality will take some folks by surprise and open up the door for opportunities to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Here's his point, and I believe it's the point that Paul's making here in verse 13. Hospitality, this pursuit of radically open lives, it shows something about the gospel 
to the world that words alone can't communicate. There is something about the vulnerability of being willing to open your life and your home and your privacy to people that are outside of your circle that is just a little bit different and a little bit weird. To really be willing to let people who are on the outside in. When most of us think about evangelism, I think at some point, um, we just can't help but think about the Jehovah's Witness coming and knocking on your door at the most inconvenient times, or the guys, the Mormon guys riding their bicycles with khakis and button downs and the ties and the lot. And what we think about when we think about that type of evangelism, it's, I mean, we've, we've done the door-to-door evangelism stuff here at Mercy View. I remember walking around with Keston in the neighborhood by Wilson and, and going and trying to have conversations with people. But, but there's something different to the kind of evangelism that says, instead of coming and knocking on your door and trying to intrude into your life, I'm going to instead open my door, come out and invite you in. Instead of coming and asking if I can come into your space, I'm going to bring you into mine. And what if the way we sought to share the gospel with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our unbelieving family, was the reverse of this typical picture of an evangelist? What if instead of an awkward conversation over break room coffee, it was an intentional conversation after dinner while the kids play across the house? Ellen and I were driving home from a date night on Friday, and the conversation toward the end kind of drifted as we were driving home into an observation about how just how spiritually dark the world seems to be. And she said, man, I wonder what it would look like if we just had like a spiritual heat map over the city of Tulsa. Like how much of this city would be lit up with, with the light and the hope of the gospel and how much would just be dark? And it's kind of a despairing thought because there's a lot of darkness in our city. There's a lot of darkness in our neighborhoods. How many churches would be lit up? Would they even really break through? See, a spiritual heat map of Tulsa might be pretty dark right now, but I wonder what would happen if we, the people of God here at Mercy View, decided that we were going to take this charge toward radical, open hospitality seriously. That we would seek to show hospitality. That we would pursue radical openness in our lives. Like what that looks like is going to be different for each of us. What it looks like for you is going to be different than what it looks like for me and my family. But one thing that Ellen and I talked about on, on Friday night, and, and this is just like a, a, a flesh example with flesh on it of what we could do is we just talked about this idea. We used to have a dinner club with some friends from RGC, just a bunch of church friends. We get together once a month. We'd have food. We'd have great conversation. And in relation to, I didn't even think about this in terms as we were talking of what it looks like to show hospitality. We were just talking about the darkness around us and how we could maybe break through it. And I was like, you know, we talked about maybe starting that back up, but what instead of inviting a bunch of friends from church, what if we just asked one or two other couples? And together we, we decided to invite one or two friends that don't know Jesus to come and be a part of that with us. What would it look like if we just opened our homes in that way and our lives and together with other believers 
and unbelievers, we showed the love of Christ around the table with food, with drinks as the kids played on the swing in the backyard. And we did that regularly. Might it just be a way that God breaks through and sees disciples of Jesus made? Over time, what kind of impact could something like that make in our city? In one sense, it can feel like shining a flashlight into the night sky. A single flashlight's not going to make a ton of impact. But what if, you, as you think about ways to, to be hospitable in your own life, and you start to put that into practice, these other flashlights start popping up around the city. Like how much light gets added to that heat map if one person or one family comes to know Jesus, comes to believe that he's been more hospitable to them than we ever could be. Just one example of a way to show hospitality. Maybe, maybe that'll spur something in your heart tonight. So our question this evening was, how do we contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality? Two things. We recognize who owns our stuff, and we pursue radically open lives. To bring it to a close tonight, it's... it's Really, it's not all that complicated. Like this charge, this verse is pretty straightforward. What it says is what it means. And it's a mark of what it means to be a genuine Christian, to let love be genuine, to hate what's evil and to cling to what's good. So what I hope you walk away with tonight is a conviction to examine your life. How do you view your stuff? Do you view it as truly yours or as belonging to God? How do you live your life? Is it open to those outside your circle, maybe even those on the margins, or have you circled the wagon, so to speak, in an effort to radically protect what you have? See, the gospel calls us to something different because God has been generously hospitable to us. Romans 5.8 reminds us that God was so hospitable that while we were still his enemies, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at our worst, he came and gave us his best. While we were as far outside the family lines as we could get, he came out and he brought us in. So maybe you're here tonight and you aren't a Christian. Listen, Jesus is offering you a seat at his table, a place in his family, in the family of God. And he's paid your way in full. All you got to do is accept the invitation. So tonight, if that's your story and you'd like to know more, come find me. Come find John Floyd sitting up here. Find anybody you've seen up here this evening. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. And maybe you're not ready to make a decision today. We'd love to get coffee or dinner and show you the kind of hospitality that we're talking about. Let's pray together.